Welcome to Shofar Cape Town South Sermon Podcast. We trust that today's message will edify and strengthen your faith. Thank you very much, brother. Thank you so much. So, um, yeah, why don't you just lift your hands up? Why don't you just lift your hands up? Um, there's just, before I started, uh, before I started my message, um, about 27 years ago, the Lord actually called me as a prophet to the nations here on this campus. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm so excited to be back here. I want to just pray for the, uh, was it Chantel? Was it the lady who had the, the would you mind coming up? Um, so, that was just such a powerful vision. Would you just lift your hands up? So, Father, I just thank you. Lord, right now, I just release an upgrade of the prophetic unction and anointing on her life, Lord God. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in her, Lord. Would you mind putting your hand on your, on your belly? Lord, I thank you that you fill her, you fill her, you fill her, you fill her full of you, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, that you fill her up from the top of her head to the tips of her toes with the oil of joy. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I just release that over you. The oil of joy is so important for the prophetic calling. More Lord, more Lord. So Chantal, while I'm laying hands on you, I see, I see like a tree standing in front of me. And uh, it's interesting because I see the trees being pulled in two different directions. And uh, it's almost being pulled to the point where the, uh, the trunk of the tree is splitting. And uh, it, it feels like there's two callings inside of you and you feel like you're being pulled in one direction and there's fruit on that side of the tree, and you're being pulled on the other, in another direction, and there's fruit on that side of the tree too. And you're a little bit frustrated because you're like, Jesus, would you just give me clear direction? Just one or the other would be really great. In fact, even with your giftings and the giftings and the anointings on your life, one of your frustrations has been is actually your... You're good at many things. There's many things that you can put your hand to. And you've sometimes felt like, if only there was just one thing that I could do, if I could be a, a, a one-stop one shop. But the problem is, you're not a hammer, you're not a screwdriver, you're a Swiss army knife. Um, you've got a tool for every season, and, and actually, um, <laughs> actually, you get called, could you do this? Could you do this? Could you do this? And your answer, sometimes to your own frustration is, yes. Yes, 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 I can do that. And the Lord just wants you to know, firstly, that you're not to despair. He's made you multi-gifted, multi-talented. And he actually loves that, uh, loves that about you. I also see him coming and binding the tree up. And you're going to find a real sense of wholeness coming into your life where he just binds up, uh, binds up that trunk. And you're going to feel like, okay, I'm good to be both. But the Lord says that he's taking you into a season of training now. And in that season of training, you're going to get to use all the tools on the Swiss Army knife. But do not despair. Their will, focus will come. Focus is going to come. It's probably going to take you about five years to get to the place where you really know, okay, this is the, uh, the path. And that's not going to be the end of the path either. Ah, sorry, sorry, sorry to discourage you. But, but, it, but there's just going to be a sense of focus. But there's joy in the journey. There's joy in the journey. So, Father, I just thank you. Thank you for your presence on this young woman, Lord God. I thank you for the calling on her, Lord God. I thank you that you lift her up and encourage her in Jesus' name. Amen. And then where's the young lady who came up and sang that amazing song? Um, yeah, there we go. Uh, I, I, I don't have a word for you, but I'm just going to pray for you because, man, that song was amazing. Why don't you come up? I might have a word for you once you come up. Man, you sing amazing. Yeah. Uh, that, that wasn't a word from the Lord. Probably he sang it too, though. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 
Lord, I just thank you for fire on this woman's music, Lord God. I thank, whoa, Lord, I just thank you, Lord God. I just, I just release anointing over her music, Lord God. I release favor over her music, Lord God. Even the songs that she's busy writing. Lord, there's just acceleration coming on that songwriting. Oh, this is interesting. The Lord's been waking you up in the night with music. The Lord's been waking you up with music and lyrics in the, uh, uh, in the night. And um, there's just so much music coming to you. Actually, uh, tell me if this isn't true. You're starting to feel a little bit overwhelmed with the music and the songs that you're getting. You're getting too much music. Lord says it's okay. You don't have to write it all down. But he's giving you lots of music. He's giving you lots of music. And it, it's just an abundance that's flow, uh, flowing through you. It's like, you know, when, when fish uh, swim down a river, you don't have to catch them all. <laughs> And the Lord's just going to bless your music. His hand is going to be on your, uh, your music. You know, I, I just believe the Lord's going to open up doorways for you um, to just release your music. Um, yeah, there, there's just such favor on you. Wow. So, um, and the, Lord's just, the Lord's just telling me, she's real beautiful. Um, She's, she's re- you've got a real soft heart. You're a real softie, and um, you can be a bit distracted. Um, you, you, you can forget things. You kind of like, you, you're a bit in your own world at times. But the Lord just loves that about you because you'll be in your own world, going your own way, and you're singing, uh, singing away, and then you're like, oh, oh my gosh, was that now? Was that now? And the, but the Lord just loves that about you. He loves the fact that you just have this ability to be in the now with Him. And He really loves that uh, about you. And He's just going to increase that well of peace. In fact, that well of peace that you carry, the Lord's going to release that in and through your music. So, Father, I thank you for this young woman. I bless her. I bless her. I bless her. I bless her. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. So, um, as I was saying, I'm a, I'm a graduate of UCT. Um, the last time I was in this hall, I was getting my degree. So, that's, that was about uh, 28 years ago, more or less. So, that kind of dates me a, a little bit. But, uh, how, I, I, is anyone here from Leah Markwood Hall? Anyone in Leah Markwood? Cool, my old res. Okay, so at the back there, I've got my books. Um, so I was in room 1013. Is anyone in, is any of you guys stay in 1013? No? Okay. So what floor are you on? Floor two. Ooh. We can, let's see who gets closer to. Who, who are the other Marquardians here? Okay. Okay, what floor are you on? Tell me what floor you're on. Anyone from floor 10? Are you on floor 10? Okay, so you can have a copy of my book. It's a beautiful life. You get a... You... Are, there, are there any... I don't know if it's still... It was called Baxter when I was, um, when I was at university. The, the ladies res, Baxter res. I, you know, I loved getting my degree um, here, but the best thing I got at UCT was my wife. I mean, seriously. I mean, it was, I, mean I would give the degree back tomorrow, but my wife I'm keeping, you know. So it, 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 has it changed its name? It's the, the res, it's the ladies' res just next to, uh, you had Leah Markwood and Tugwell, and then a little way up the hill by the park. It's still called Baxter. Anyone from Baxter? No girls from Baxter. Hey, guys, I want to tell you, the girls at Baxter are awesome. You need to go out soul winning and get them to come to church. Seriously, guys, what are you thinking, you know? Okay. So, okay, well, let's, let's do it this way. Um, any of the ladies, uh, you have a birthday in November. November. Okay, two November girls, all right? Um, what, what's your birthday? 
the ninth and the 22nd. I think you're closest to the 17th. The 17th of November is my wife's birthday. My, uh, so at the bank there, you'll find a copy of Supernatural Foundations, a book published by my wife, which will lay down for you foundations for supernatural living. Uh, the other, the, It's a Beautiful Life will uh, give you um, tools to live a lifestyle of hosting God's presence in freedom and joy. So grab, uh, grab a copy of those afterwards. Amen. So how many of you desire to see God move on our nation? Yeah. I want to tell you, you're in good company. God has a plan for nations. Wow. And you guys have got even the birds coming to church. This is cool. You know, with every wing raised, I see that wing. And, um, and you guys have taken that song, you know, on a wing and a prayer. You know, you just obviously. On this campus in the, nine, in the late 80s, we saw the most extraordinary revival. We literally saw hundreds of students coming to Christ. Right on this campus that actually um, I started seeing miracles for the first time, real miracles. In fact, I, one of the greatest miracles I ever saw, we had a guy called Tony. He used to work with the homeless around the, uh, the campus. And uh, he used to go out and do soul winning and, and everything. And one day, Tony comes into our, uh, into our um, service. He said, man, guys, you won't believe what happened this week. He'd led a lady who lived on the street to the Lord. And uh, she, she was a, a lady from, uh, from Cape Town area. And uh, she got saved. But the night after she got saved, um, she got bitten in the eye by a rat because she was sleeping on the, on the street. And Tony gets to her the next day, and she's got her eye is literally, it's got like, you know, the wound, it's festering, it looks nasty. And like, Tony looks at, man, we got to take you to the hospital right now. And she said, Tony, I'm not going to the hospital. No, you told me Jesus heals. You're going to pray for me, and he's going to heal me now. And, and Tony's like, no, man. <laughs> She's going to lose her eye. She's going to go blind. It's going to be my fault. And she's like, no, I'm not going. And he's like, please, come on. We're just and she says, we'll go afterward. You pray for me now. And he's so panicking. He has no faith. He has no faith. He prays for her just to get her to go to the hospital. He prays and God instantly heals her. Boom, her eye gets healed. Tony comes and shares the testimony. He's like, guys, I couldn't believe it. Jesus healed her. We had, we had another guy. He was hanging around us. He was a six-foot-tall guy. Uh, he was quite, you know, he was, he was one of the cool dudes on campus, kind of like had a bit of a rep, you know, going for him. But he started hanging around the group of Christians, and uh, he got intrigued. And one of them gave him a Bible. And uh, anyway, we were witnessing to him and he didn't really want to know but you know he'd, he'd come to meetings and he'd like you know nah, i'm not interested he was one of those guys in and out in and out in and out and one day he just gets this incredible pain in his chest and the guy had been witnessing to him lived two doors down from him and he went around and he said man i've got this terrible pain in my chest would you pray for me and dave uh, my mate dave prayed for him but half an hour later he was rushed to the hospital and he was taken into ICU, and he had a collapsed lung, and um, it was really serious. He had, uh, he had stopped breathing for eight minutes, and uh, they were concerned. They were really concerned that he would be brain damaged, actually. And so the doctor takes him into the ICU, and um, they've got him in there. And after 30 minutes, the lung just reinflates by itself. They do a test on him, and he's fine. And the doctor, who was a Muslim guy, couldn't believe it. And, and, and they discharge him from the hospital. But as he's going out, the doctor says, listen, um, I've just got a question for you. Are you a Christian by any chance? And uh, he goes, no, no, I'm not. But, but my friends are. And I, I'm, I've been thinking about it. Why would you ask? He says, no, you know, I've seen this a couple of times with Christians. They come in here with heart attacks. And then they walk out half an hour later and they're fine. Would you believe it? The dude did not give his life to the Lord. He was just like, wow, that's interesting. God had to do something else. So about two weeks later, 
Stu wakes up in the morning and he gets the Bible that these Christians have given him and he opens it up and he reads a random scripture and he flips around, reads another random scripture, flips around another random scripture and he reads about eight scriptures just randomly in the Bible. And then he decides to come to our church service. So he sits right at the back. Like, you know, he's staying away from those scary Christians. And he's sitting right at the back. We used to meet in Robert Leslie 2. Uh, is it still called Robert Leslie? Robert Leslie 2A, whatever, down there. Big sloping auditorium. He's right at the back. And the pastor starts his sermon. He says, turn in your Bibles too. And he calls out a scripture. And Stuart opens up his Bible, finds his, oh, that's amazing. That's the first scripture I read this morning. And then he says, turn to, in your Bibles too. And he oh, that's, that's interesting. That's, that was the second scripture I read this morning. The pastor says, turn to this scripture, third scripture. Now Stu's like starting to shake. He's like, this is a bit freaky. This is the third scripture I read this morning. At the, fir- at the fifth scripture, Stu jumps up. He bolts out of there runs down from Robert Leslie all the way. There used to be a prayer room over here. On the, in the, in the, he runs up into that prayer room, throws his Bible out, and says, Okay, God, I'm listening! <laughs> he gave his life to Jesus. You know, God has a way of intervening in the lives of individuals and peoples and nations. And I want to tell you that I am so excited about the time that we are living in. And I'm excited to be living in South Africa. I'm excited to be living um, at the southern tip of Africa. Now, Jean-Tel, I don't know if you know, um, have heard of the southern tip of Africa fire prophecies. Because what you, you probably don't know is that vision that you uh, saw and that you painted is a recurring vision that has been ongoing for over 100 years. For over 111 years, different men and women of God and different prophets have prophesied that exact, uh, exact vision. And you know, the Bible says something. The Bible says, I do nothing except that I announce it to my prophets beforehand. And God has a plan and a purpose for peoples and nations. And God has a plan and a purpose for you and, uh, and for me. You know, many people have said, oh, I wish that I'd lived in the age of the apostles and the prophets. I would have loved to have lived in Bible times. I'm like, no, 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 no. Man. I don't want to get fed to lions. Uh-uh. I'm not up for that. No, sorry. Man, but not only that, but if you, if you understand that that was the church in her infancy, but God has said he's bringing his bride to maturity, the things that we saw in the early church will seem like a toddler learning to walk compared to the great things that God has for the church in her maturity. I want you to just imagine that. When Jesus said, I know the things I have for you, plans for good and not for evil, plans to give you a hope and a future. Sorry, um, in, 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 when Jeremiah wrote that, when the Lord declared that through Jeremiah, he wasn't kidding. He wasn't saying hope, you know, sort of hope, sort of future. He's got good things in mind for his kingdom, his people, and his, uh, his church. Amen? And so, you, you know, I believe that Right now in South Africa, we as a nation are contending for the destiny of South Africa. We're contending. And God has a destiny for South Africa. There, there is a purpose for nations. Many people don't compute this often. That in the same way that God has a purpose and a plan for individuals, He has a purpose and a plan for peoples and nations. In fact, if you read the Bible, you will often see that God more often speaks to nations and people groups than even individuals. Like you'll say, I called up Edom, the nation. I called Egypt. I, I spoke to Babylon. I called Israel. You see, God has a purpose for nations, and he declares the purpose that he has for those nations beforehand. But of course, the enemy wants to come against those purposes. Earlier this year, I saw I was in the nation of Israel. And to be honest, I've never really been a person who wanted to go to Israel until earlier this year, suddenly I just had this desire to go to Israel. And some of the things I saw there, I realized, 
oh my gosh, this is the biggest miracle in all of human history. Just that after 2,000 years, God had called back this scattered people group to a nation and made them a nation again. But some of the things I saw there, I just, just boggled my mind. For example, I went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and you won't believe the presence of God in the Garden of Gethsemane. It really just is so intense. But while we're walking around, the guide told us the story. Now, many of you might know that olive trees can live for hundreds and sometimes even thousands of years. But the interesting thing is about olive trees is that olive trees regenerate themselves. So an olive tree will grow for hundreds of years, and then it'll die. But then it'll regrow from the roots. So in a sense, that same tree will just get born again and carry on growing. And so there are olive trees in Gethsemane that were there when Jesus prayed that last night. Isn't that amazing? But there was this one particular olive tree there that was literally the trunk. The trunk was that wide around. And I believe it, it, it was over 2,000 years old. But as we went round, they said, oh, the priests who tended this garden, the order who tended this garden for hundreds of years uh, uh, told us this, that this tree was dead in the garden for hundreds of years. And it just started growing again in modern days. It just started after hundreds of years of being totally dead. Do you want to take a guess which year it started to grow again in? 1948. The year of the founding of Israel. Now, not 1949. Not 1947. 1948. It just sprouted again and thought... This would be a good year to start growing again, randomly. Why would that happen? Because the nation of Israel was again in the land of Israel. Why is that relevant to South Africa? Because, you see, just as God has a purpose for the people of Israel, God has a purpose for our nation. Just as God has a a purpose for, I, I believe God has a purpose for England, for the United States, for Nigeria, for South Africa. But I also believe that there are, there are key nations, I, I, I just do, that God causes certain nations to, to shift things in the world. And I believe South Africa is one of the nations that God has a specific calling and purpose on. And I want to speak about that tonight. You know, Because there's such a purpose on this nation, the enemies come to try and destroy this nation. The, the tra- I'm actually an import. I come from Zimbabwe. I was born in Zim. Uh, I uh, actually came to study at UCT, met my South African wife, and she refused to be an export, so I ended up staying here. Um, it was practically a word from the Lord, you know. <laughs> Angelic visitation, put it that way. But... Um, when I came to this country, and whenever I travel over, overseas, there's a couple of things that our nation is known for, sadly. And one of the first things that our nation is known for is apartheid. Everywhere we go, everywhere we go, apartheid. It's like this brand. It's like this, it's like this, um, it's like this searing wound on the identity of our nation racism. Now it seems that the enemy wants to add xenophobia onto that. Now it seems like the enemy wants to add crime onto that. It it seems like violence against women and children, the enemy seems to want to brand that onto the identity of this nation. And you know, the, the tragedy is, is that as Christians, we can end up being reactive instead of proactive, and we can start 
saying, well, listen, we need to fight against racism. We need to fight against apartheid. We need to fight against uh, violence against women and children. And I agree with those things, but maybe we need to step back a little bit before that and say, but hang on, what are we fighting for first? What was the original call, purpose, and destiny on this nation before the enemy came to break things down? Because you see, if we can find why God brought us together, maybe we can embrace the call of God on our nation and run with that together. The Bible tells the story of Nehemiah, who in the courts of the king, as he studied the scripture, he realized, man, our walls are broken down. But God has promised in the word that he will rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And on the basis of the prophetic promises, he called his nation back to their purpose. He even plundered the, uh, the treasuries of Babylon in order to rebuild his nation. Same thing with Daniel. Daniel, it says, Daniel, by studying the words of Jeremiah, realized that the 70 years of banishment had been fulfilled. So what he did was he looked back into the prophecies that had been declared 70 years beforehand. Not the prophetic word that was released in church last week. It, you see, this is what we sometimes do. is like we hear a prophetic word and we think, man, that's awesome. That's so exciting. That's going to happen this week. Must be this year. And like two years go by, we think, oh, well, it obviously wasn't a true prophetic word. We don't understand prophecy. God talks and releases his word, and he releases it over and over and over in order to, and the people of God will begin to position themselves to receive it, to prepare for what he is doing, to claim it and to identify with it so that the word of the Lord may be fulfilled in our time. You know, I was listening to a recent sermon by Bill Johnson from Bethel Church, and he spoke about his generation in, the, in his generation, there was a prophetic word about the fall of the Berlin Wall. And uh, he said prophets had been prophesying for years about the fall of the Berlin Wall. The Berlin Wall was going to come down, that God was going to reunite the Germanies. Now, I, I grew up in a time when Germany was divided. And quite honestly, it just didn't seem possible. It, it, you know, Germany was so divided and that wall, were, I mean, you know, the wall was so intimidating and imposing. And the, uh, and the, the communist regimes in, in Eastern Europe were so strongly in, uh, entrenched, so militarized, that it just seemed impossible that that wall could ever come down. But then, I remember the day it fell. It was like, I can't believe it. Did you hear? The wall came down. They broke the wall down. And all of a sudden... The whole of Eastern Europe was open. And you know what happened then? Then the church began to prepare to go and take missionaries into Eastern Europe. But as they started getting ready, all the cults flooded in. All the gangsters flooded in. All the other things flooded in. What if the church had been ready? What if they said, hey, we, we've got a word from the Lord. That wall's coming down. Man, let's, have, let's build warehouses by the wall full of Bibles and tracts in every Eastern, uh, uh, Eastern Bloc uh, language. Let's train, start training people for now. Let's train some church planters. Let's get some refugees from those countries and train them up to be the pastors of the next generation. And the moment that wall came down, they went in and they, uh, they were ready. What do you think the, the outcome would have been? Would have been way different. Amen? But you know what? We're in the same place today. Because this nation, I want to tell you that over, for over 111 years, the prophetic word has been declared over this nation. And I'm, I'll tell you some of the, the, the prophetic uh, words. In 1908, that's 111 years ago, this is the first prophetic word that, that I can tell you about. An Afrikaans prophet named, uh, what's his name? 
Man, I wrote it down somewhere, and I can't read my own writing. Not a word, Daniel. Not a word, Daniel. My son's always telling me how bad my writing is. Um, I didn't write it down. It's... What's that? It wasn't him. It wasn't him. It was, he, it, I, I'll find the, the name for you afterwards. But he was a, an old Afrikaans um, uh, prophet. He had been the Secretary of State in the last Afrikaner Republic during the Boer War. And when the, uh, during, uh, when the Transvaal was defeat, defeated in the Boer War, he refused to sign the Declaration of Loyalty to the British Empire. And so as a result, ended up being broke. But he had a huge heart for his people and his nation. And so he'd go into the mountains and pray. And the Lord gave him a vision of South Africa and began to speak to him about the destiny of this nation. And so when uh, John G. Lake, does everyone know who John G. Lake is? John G. Lake was a revivalist who came over from the United States of, uh, of America. He actually, his preaching and his teaching was so powerful that he actually birthed two movements in South Africa. One is the ZCC, the Zion Christian Church, and one is the uh, Apostolic Faith, uh, Faith Mission. Now, admittedly, the ZCC, since that time, has kind of veered off course a little, all right? It has veered off course, but to be quite honest, if you actually, the, the ZCC is a little bit like uh, some movements. It's a it's a broad movement. There are parts of the church that are actually still pretty solid and sound. And then there's parts of uh, the movement that have gone very syncreti- uh, syncretistic. But in the, its infancy, it was this movement that was just filled with anointing and power. Literally hundreds of anointed, miracle-working, Bible-preaching evangelists were raised up and went across the continent of Africa. Some of the craziest signs and wonders and miracles were performed at the hands of these African, uh, first ordained African ministers. I mean, one of the guys, um, oh, his name was, he, he went up and preached, one of the first ministers to preach in Zimbabwe. He was a, a, a Sutu a guy. He went and he studied the Bible, studied for himself. It was, uh, they had lots of, um, racist ideas back in those ideas. And he saw, he saw, listen, signs and wonders and miracles. And he went and asked three ministers. He asked them, listen, does God still do signs and wonders today? And the first minister told him, no, he doesn't do it today. The second guy asked, he said, maybe he does, but if he did it, he'd only do it with white people. And the third, third I can't remember what he said. And this guy went and he studied his Bible all night. And he saw the Bible says God works, uh, uh, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he said, no, nah, it's true, he hasn't changed. Then he went and looked, and he saw God is no respecter of persons. He said, that's rubbish. And uh, actually the translation of that uh, says, God is no respecter of faces. So he told his wife, now this is, this is cool, he told his wife, I'm going preaching. He walked out the door and he wasn't back for a year. I want to tell you, <laughs> if I did that to my wife, I would not only need to believe in the resurrection of the dead, I would need to demonstrate it. But he, uh, he walked there. B, the, the Afrikaner prophet, prophet was B. Quarles van Ufford. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. And um, so I, I'm coming back to him. But anyway, this guy went up into Zimbabwe, and he's preaching the gospel to a, a group of Matabeli, and they're not interested. They're not interested. They, they, they don't want and uh, he, he finally, he, he gets one guy. He's like, yeah, maybe interesting. He says, I'm going to baptize you in the river. And the guy says, ah, now we're out. We ain't getting in that river. You don't understand. There are crocodiles in that river. So he says, oh, that's not a problem. I will get in the river first. I will stand in the river for an hour. If I do not get eaten, will you get baptized then? And the guy said, okay. And after that, Everyone came. The whole area came to watch the minister get eaten. Literally everyone came. They were crowding. So he gets to the edge of the river and he says, Crocodiles, I am a man of God. Crocodiles, your creator has need of this river. Get out so I can get in. 
And the, the river, they said, it boiled. And the crocodiles all got out on the far side of the river. And then he stood in the river worshiping the Lord for an hour. And after that, he called that first guy to come and get, uh, get, uh, get baptized. Not only did he get baptized, but everyone watching came and got baptized. That's how the gospel got, pre- uh, got uh, planted in southern Zimbabwe. By signs and wonders and miracles and courage. Raw courage. So, coming back to Buford. What was it? B. No, his name was B. Let's just call him B. He knocks on the door of a lady's house in, uh, in Joburg. He says, excuse me, is there a, ma- a recent arrival here from America? And the lady says, yes. Prof- uh, uh, Reverend, Reverend John G. Lake just arrived from America. He says, that's very good. Because I went to the mountains to pray last year. And God told me that there would be a, a deliverance coming to our nation. And that he would uh, arrive here at 75 Hamilton Street on this date at 4.30 p.m. Today's the day. Now is the time. And then this guy began to speak out God's destiny on our nation. He began to speak about God's plans and purposes for, uh, for our nation. Part of that, he spoke about a fire breaking out at the southern tip of Africa, a fire of revival, a fire which would burn up the continent of Africa and then burst out to impact the rest of the world. Do you know that God has purposes on peoples and nations? The Welsh revival broke out in the deep valleys of Wales with with a small group of people, smaller than this. One 16-year-old girl fell on her knees and she got filled with, the, uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. And from her, the revival spread through the valleys of Wales, which went on to touch the whole world. That went on to, it, it went to Azusa Street. In Azusa Street, the fire, uh, fire fell on a man named... Uh, do you know him? Azusa Street. William Seymour. Thank you. William Seymour. You know, what I love about this is God picks unlikely people. William Seymour could not get a venue in, uh, in uh, San Francisco at the time, or was it, uh, in, in Los Angeles at the time. Do you know why? Because he was black. And he was a one-eyed black minister, so he ended up hiring an old warehouse. And he would come out, he was a weird dude by all accounts. He would come out into the middle of the service and he would put a, a, a crate an apple crate over his head and pray. Can you imagine if pastor, I I think you should do this. I'm sensing the Lord would have you come stand in the middle of the congregation with an apple crate over your head. And he would stand there with this crate over his head and wait for the presence of God. But then when the presence of God began to fall in uh, in that place, literally the fire would fall from heaven so tangibly that when people started flooding to the revival, they'd arrive at the train station and they would ask people, how do I get to the revival? And the porters at the train station said, start walking that way. The building that you see the fire falling on, that's where it is. The presence of God would come so tangibly in those meetings that there, there would be like a, it would fill the building like smoke. Children would play hide and seek in the presence of the Lord. That revival went on to reach, and today they say there's about 200 million believers who have been impacted by that revival. I want you to think about that. That was in one city, in one nation, touched the the world. But what is God speaking about this city and this nation? Nicholas Bengu. Have any of you heard of Nicholas Bengu? Nicholas Bengu was... Um, one of the greatest um, South African revivalists. He started a movement called From Cape to Cairo. And uh, Nicholas Bengu was so filled with the anointing, he would go into cities and, pre- uh, and preach the gospel, and the crime rate would halve after his crusades. People would literally come to his crusades, and all the gangsters would, uh, would come the first night, and then the second night they'd come to return all the stolen goods. The one, night, the one night, the one crusade he had in East London, the presence of God fell. He did a morning crusade. The presence of God fell, and everyone was stuck on the floor. They couldn't get them out. They were just stuck on the floor. Nicholas Bingo didn't know what to do, so he hired buses. And he told the bus drivers, just, just park outside, come in, 
pick these people up, put them on your bus and drive them home. You didn't know what to do. Only problem was the bus drivers came in, touched the people and fell over. Didn't work. He saw a vision of a fire breaking out in the Cape and burning right the way up the continent and touching the world. Maltari saw, uh, saw the same. Literally, I've, uh, this prophetic word has been repeated over and over and over and over again for the last 100 years. Recently, I heard that prophetic word released by a young prophetess named Chantal, I believe. Was it it's just Chantal? She even painted a picture of it. I mean, I was sitting there thinking, this is crazy, Jesus. This is what I'm just about to preach on. And you've given her a vision. She's even painted the picture. Why is God speaking this? The Lord is speaking this to his people because he has a purpose for our nation. He has a purpose for our nation. And we have to get in front of what the enemy is trying to proclaim over our nation. And we need to embrace, once again, the true identity of our nation. This is a nation that is called to impact the world for Christ. I, I was just praying about it. and I was like, Lord, why did that word start getting released in 1908? Well, it was because, I believe, it was two years before the Union of South Africa was formed in its current borders. And I was, a couple of years ago, I was, my wife and I were praying about, Lord, what is the purpose of South Africa? What's our message to the world? Because I believe that each nation has a message and a mission in the world. Do you know what the mission of our nation is, I believe? It's in the name. The Union of South Africa. The Union of South Africa. Do you know why the enemy wants to brand this nation with the title apartheid? Because we're called to be known for unity inside of diversity. That's the calling of this nation. we call to be a message to the world that says, you know what? People from different parts of the world, from different backgrounds, of different skin colors, of different uh, ethnicities and languages can live together and not only do well together, but thrive together. I believe that's the call of God on our nation. Do you remember when, when democracy came to South Africa? Do you remember for about three, four years, maybe five years, everywhere we went, South Africans were proudly proclaiming, we from the rainbow nation. Do you remember that? Recently, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry. Just go back and ask your parents. Yeah. All right. Recently, people have been releasing books called The End of the Rainbow, The Fading Rainbow, The Broken Rainbow. But I believe we are not called to lose hope in the rainbow. You know, the, the cool thing about a rainbow, it's one rainbow but many colors. It's beautiful in its diversity. It's one rainbow, but it's beautiful in, uh, in its diversity. I believe that Cape Town is the city of revival fire. Cape Town is the city of the presence of God. Now, you know, the thing is, is the enemy always screams loudest when the purpose of God is about to be born. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, can you imagine the newspapers at that time? Do you think that in the newspaper, if they published a newspaper at that time, it would have, would have said, small infant born in barn? No, I don't think that made the headlines but slaughter of babies in the Bethlehem area by King Herod? Do you think that might have made the news? That probably made the news. That pro Oppression of Romans grows worse. Taxes out of control. All that would have been in the media. But the fact that Jesus, the Savior of the world, had been born in a stable in Bethlehem, that probably wouldn't have made CNN of the day. You see, this is the problem. Sometimes if you get your perspective of the world and of our nation and of our times from just reading the news and listening to people around you, you might not have God's perspective. Because you see, the, the world and Israel at that time were crying out, Oh God, send us a Savior! He's on His way. He's like, oh, we're so excited. 
that? You sent a baby that can't even afford a room at the Holiday Inn? This is, this is shocking. And yet, that was God's answer. And the life of Christ, the life of Jesus, overturned everything for everyone for all time. When it grew into maturity. What is God doing in our day? I want to tell you, we are seeing the greatest outpouring of His Holy Spirit that, in that the world has ever seen. More people are rising up full of faith, full of power, full of anointing than the world has ever seen. This is no longer a time where you see the man of power for the hour. You see whole churches, whole movements moving in power, moving in healing, anointing, moving in prophetic words. This is the hour that we're starting to see the greatest outpouring of His Holy Spirit right now. Are you positioning yourself for the purposes of God? Right now, today, I believe that God is calling us as a people group to stand together and to say, you know what? We represent the king. We represent the king of kings that we believe that God has a plan and a purpose for our nation together. We're not going to be known for these other things. We're not going to embrace the devil's branding on our souls and our identity and on our nation. But we saying today that we live in South Africa. South Africa is a nation that is destined to change the world through the revival fire that breaks out in the Western Cape, burns up Africa, and across the world. Who wants to live for that? Amen? So if you're here today, I don't know, maybe some of you, as you, you've heard me preaching, you're thinking, wow, you know, it's true. I've allowed hopelessness to get into my soul. I want to pray for you. Because we need to pray against the enemy's branding of our nation. We need to embrace hope again. We need to believe the promises of God. I want to encourage you to prepare for revival. Position your heart. Get out there with faith. Start speaking to uh, people about Christ. Because Christ is the answer for our nation. Christ is the answer. I love it. You know, I did, when I was at Varsity, man, I used to do exams right here in this, uh, in this hall. Well, you know, in the exam of life, in the exam hall, there's the answer. It's cool. I wish they'd put the answers up that clearly when I did my exams. There's the answer. Jesus is the answer. So won't you stand? Lift your hands up. Father, right now, if you're here today and you know that fear and hopelessness has begun to settle in your spirit about our nation, about South Africa, even about, I know many of you are probably students from other nations or from other nations, even about Africa and, and even the 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 state of the world. I want to tell you, don't despair. Because the devil is not in control. God is in control. And he has a plan for our nation. And he's got a plan for your life and your family and your future and your destiny. And he's told us what kind of plan it is. I, I know the plans I have for you. Plans for good and not for evil. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That's the Lord's declaration. So if that's you and you know that hopelessness and fear have settled on you, just put up your hand. I want to pray for you. Right now, Father, I just pray for every person raising their hand right now. Right now, I break off the spirit of hopelessness, the spirit of fear, the spirit of anxiety, that choking fear right now. I break that off in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I break that off. Right now, Father, I thank you that you release a spirit of hope over every heart here. 
spirit of vision that we might dream again for our nation, Lord God. What South Africa can be together as we build together the future of our nation. The future of our continent. Thank you, Lord God, that your word declares that you know the exact places and times where people shall live in the boundaries. So you know the boundaries of our land and you've brought us here right now at this time. And so, Father, I thank you for your blessing on every person here. Thank you for your anointing on every person here. I thank you for a refreshing on every person here. Right now while we're praying, perhaps you're here, you came with a friend or and you've never given your life to Jesus. You've never asked Christ to be your Lord and Savior. I want to tell you, when you have Christ in your life, you have a solid foundation to build your life on. Without Christ, you're just building on air. Nothing is certain. There's nothing to build on other than your own good luck and good fame and and all that can be taken in just one moment. I want to exhort you to build your life on one solid foundation, the foundation of Jesus Christ. If you're here and you've never given Jesus Christ your life, why don't you put your hand up and say, yes, Pastor, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to, I want to commit my life solidly to Jesus. Perhaps you, you know you've just been playing, just dabbling with Jesus. But today you want to give your life to Jesus. Just raise your hand nice and high so I can see it. Is that a raised hand there? Or are you just raising your hand? There's a young lady here. Are you raising your hand? Won't you come down? At the back there, young man, won't you come down so I can pray for you? Won't you come down so I can pray for you? Have you got 